2: It's an end of an era for the Clarets, as they travel to the London Stadium to face West Ham in search of a vital win to boost hopes of survival. This is the No Nay Never podcast. I'm uh, Adam Dennett, and um, you'll notice that Natalie is away again. Um, don't worry, she's not run off after the, uh, the news last week. Uh, she's just away on a, on a holidays, holiday still. Um, so she will be back next week. I am the Michael Jackson of the show this week. Um, reacting to the news on 10.30am Friday morning, Sean Dyche is sacking after a hugely successful nine and a half year reign, uh, which sent most Burnley fans into a state of shock, grief and heartbreak. Uh, I'm joined by two well-known um, and f- fan favourites from this season. Uh, they are on our uh, fan podcast earlier on in the, uh, the season uh, to discuss uh, the news about Daesh, um, the future, uh, short and long term, um, and of course, the small matter of our game on Sunday. Uh, so firstly, welcome uh, Mike Landers. Welcome Hi, back. Evening.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here.
2: Good stuff. And uh, Stuart Parkinson, welcome back as well.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having us.
2: Um we'll um we'll start with uh, with you, Stuart. Um where were you and what were your initial reactions when the news broke on Friday?
3: Um I woke up uh with my wife holding a phone in front of my face, which is never usually a good thing. Um, but I'm holding up the uh the announcement on Twitter that Dash had gone. And uh yeah, I think like like most Burnley fans completely stunned. Uh didn't really know what to, to think about it at first um, and spent an entire day probably going through all the stages of grief, uh, trying to get, come to terms with everything. Um, yeah, it, it were a complete shock. I wouldn't have thought that that was something that we would have done, but here we are.
2: Yeah, it didn't feel very uh, very Burnley-like, did it? Uh, did it? Um, what were your initial reactions, Mike?
4: Um, it was the same. I mean, I was actually on holiday in the lakes um, over the weekend. And I was in a place where I had no signal for, for several hours. So when I finally, my mobile connected back to the network, and I don't use, do social media very much, um, it we went crazy. And it, was, it wasn't it was just like, you know, friends, it was work colleagues and all that kind of thing. And I thought, oh, something's up here. All these people, the only thing these people know me for is being a claret. And um, I thought, what the hell, something's happened with Sean Dyche. And um, either he's been sacked or he's killed somebody. Um, and it turned out to be the former. I, I you know, I, it was kind of like, yeah, absolute shock. It, it was completely out of the blue. There was no sign that this was coming. Um, there was no demand that this was coming. There was no, there was nothing from the chairman. There was nothing from the fans. There was nothing from the man himself. Completely out of the blue. And it's kind of interesting, I think, that the club haven't really said much. And we could well, you know, go into that a little bit more. Neither sides really said much, um, which leaves a vacancy or a vacuum to be filled by massive amounts of speculation. Um, the more outrageous, the better, um, as far as some people are concerned. So, yeah, um, but that's football, you know. The, there are still games to play. There are, you know, the the, the team continues, the club continues, and your fandom continues. But um, shock and not a. Not a, a little bit, you know, a lot of sadness, but also looking back on very good times.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. I think similar for, uh, for me as well. I work in um, an office in in Yorkshire and I had uh, countless, not just Leeds fans, they're normally Leeds fans when I'm in uh, a state of war that come over uh, tapping on my shoulder. But yeah, uh, messages flying from everywhere and uh, completely not me for six um, and I think still digesting the news really but um yeah quite a few emotions um uh coming coming through as as we go through go through the days um I thought it was what do we or come stay with you Mike what do you make of the fact that we have appointed um an interim um short-term managers from within within the club and not obviously seemingly had anyone lined up um I'm gonna go with some of the speculation that you probably don't like, but um it, it definitely opens up rumours that there could have been a bust up because why make the decision now and not earlier in the season to give more time to anyone who would come in and why not at the end of the season when um well yeah, why disrupt things now if you don't have um, an immediate replacement?
4: I I agree. I mean it does open up to speculation. I think that's exactly the sort of speculation that is probably uh, warranted under these particular circumstances. The timing is is as you say very odd. Um, as for why now, I just don't know. You know, um, I, I'm not. You know, I think the interim manager thing is is absolutely the right way to go. Um, I, you know, unless they. There's a lot of talk, you know, there's, there's a cliche, oh, they've, they've hit the panic button and so on and so forth. Wait, it's way too late to have hit the panic button. And a panic button move is, is getting in, you know, a, a Sam Allardyce or something for eight games. Um, I think the, the club... What's weird is we were heading towards a reset in the summer. No matter what was happening, no matter where we were or which league or who was in charge, we were heading to a reset. And what form that reset took was up in the air, but it was going to be reset. So all I see it as is, right, we've got eight games to play. Let the cards fall where they do. Um, We're all pretty much, I think, in agreement that relegation is, is not a certainty, but a probability. So we just get through these eight games. We get through the, the month is in the season and then is the time to have a look, take stock and work out what's going on. Um, I think the idea of appointing a, an interim manager as a firefighter, whatever the cliche wishes to be, it's a complete waste of time. I think it's a waste of time, energy and resources. So give Michael Jackson and his team, you got eight games. Go for it.
2: Yeah. Have, um, have you got anything um, anything to add to that? Um, Stuart, just thinking, obviously, Pace, obviously he's come in. Uses a lot of data behind a lot of his decisions, obviously very good with PR, always really back dash. Um, do you think there's anything more in it in terms of their relationship or and what do you make of the short term um appointment of them? Obviously, nothing's been said by the club um about really the sacking and how long uh Jackson, me and Co. are gonna be gonna be in charge. Uh what are your thoughts on on the short term? What would you like to happen?
3: I think the uh, in terms of what's happened in with Daesh going or ultimately being sacked, um, it does seem to be more likely that it would be some kind of breakdown in relationship, if only because a lot of the noise that Pace made when he took over the club and since then was... Dash is integral to our plans for the club going forward. What we want to build here, all the rest of it, um, and then obviously slapping down quite a hefty contract in front of him to say, "Stick around, we, we'll back you, we'll do what what we can for you." Um, I think this season there were rumours that they weren't going to try and invest in January. Come what may, like didn't really matter where we were in the table. They were they were always looking at the summer which makes more sense when you think about the number of players that you've got coming up um, who are going to be out of contract, et cetera. Um, in the short term, I agree with Mike. At this stage, you might as well just give it to, to Jackson, the under-23 squad, and ben, uh, under 23, well, the management team from the under-23s and Ben Mee to try and keep a bit of familiarity for the playing staff. Give them the eight games it's not an unwinnable position. We've still got games coming up that we can potentially win. We'll have to play a lot better than we have done for most of the season, but there's an opportunity still for us to stay up. It's not like we're bottom of the league with 15, 16 points to catch up on. It's 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 not a completely lost situation. So you might as well give them a whirl and, and see where you are come the end of the season. Because like Mike says, there's a rebuild on whatever happens. So why... Appoint somebody in the short term, and then realize actually they're probably not the man for the job in the first place. You've just if you got a, a fat salmon, for example, to try and save you, you're going to have to give him a massive payout. Come what may, and he's going to be gone at the end in in like eight games time anyway. So there's no point. You throw him bad money after good, really. So give it these guys till the end of the season, see what they can do. If they can get us to play on the floor a bit more, play a bit better, hopefully keep us up grand um, and then get a new manager in, a new managerial team and see what we do over the summer.
2: Yeah, um, I think my my view on this has probably changed slightly since obviously watching the game yesterday. um, Initially, I would like comparing the situation to... Um, in the past, when managers have left with a few games left at the end of the season, um, I think when Mick MacArthur left at Wolves and um, I can't remember what is his assistant would call it Terry Connor, Terry something Connors. like that. Yeah, um, came in. I don't think they won a game for the last eight, nine, ten games. Uh, went down with a whimper. I think Norwich did it with Houghton, um, promoted Adams, or yeah, I think you're Adams, um, and again, lost every game, went down. and I think. The as much as I wanted to look long term in my head, I was just trying to I, I really I've enjoyed, loved us being in the Premier League, loved us punching above our weight for all these years. And I just my mind just gone round and round thinking what can we do to st- what gives us the best chance to stay up. Um and I as as much as it pains me to say, I, I woke up on Sunday morning expecting a drubbing. I didn't see how we could rip the coaching staff and everything that's been integral to us throughout the um, throughout the years out of the club and not just even if it had a bit of fight about us, like just uh, fall apart. but um, obviously we'll come on to the game. So my, like my initial thoughts so that you go around in circles I was thinking what's who's gonna come in, not be, not change the style of play because the players aren't going to change that much. Um, and actually give us a chance. And like I, in my head, I decided that Rafa Benitez were the best choice, but uh, i not. I've not <laughs> seen many people talking about him to be honest. And um, I think everyone's gone all over. Don't I think um, Natalie went on on the radio the other day I mentioned Mark Hughes, who's not doing very well at Bradford. Uh, so it's just you can't help but just scramble around for for ideas. But my idea was that he's, he's quite a pragmatic manager. He, he doesn't play expansive football. He's a good organizer. He's done done well at Newcastle with limited resources, but oh. after <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry, not limited resources. This is a maximum 45 million quid on Joe Winter. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, that was reduced, that were not
2: it. But uh, no, were there, sorry, any, yeah. were there any were there any other were there any other ideas in your mind before you've come to this conclusion? Had you gone? This is my point. Had you gone from pillar to post before landing where you are now, or did you think straight away, yeah, stick with the guys that know the club to see us at the end of the season? Cause I've been everywhere, all over the
4: I, place I, I I went through the names in like five minutes flat and just went no, 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 no. You know, uh <laughs> Sam Allardyce, no. You know, no, I couldn't, you know. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> we couldn't handle we, that. I'm, no, but here's the other thing as well. Um, you know, we've we've had uh let's say five years of everybody moaning at Burnley's style of play, you should have more progressive style of play, right? Getting big Sam then. Okay. Rafa Benitez, <laughs> similar thoughts. Um, Rafa Benitez, I think, is an absolute man, is, is a very good manager. I think you're absolutely right that he could do actually a decent job with his squad. Um, however, if I was the chairman of the football club, I would not touch Rafa Benitez with a barge pole um, because the very first thing that Rafa Benitez does when he gets his feet under the desk of the football club is start undermining his chairman. Um, he did it at Everton, he did it at Newcastle, he did it to an extent at Liverpool, um, and so on. Um, so we had Allardyce, Benitez, Mark Hughes, oh God, no. Um, it's, it's like, you know, football is changing, and the same old names keep coming up, and they're always put out there by their bloody agents anyway. But, you know, like I said, I was talking about a reset earlier. Why do we have to do the same old thing? Why do we have to get a name who's been around for ages and quite frankly is only doing it to topple their pension pot? You know, just just I know we'll get onto who it should, but who we think we should have and all that kind of stuff. But my first piece of advice, and I wrote about this today is there's a lot of people throwing a lot of names, and I use the word solid football people, solid football men who write articles and appear on Match of the Day, and are good football people. And Alan Pace should listen to those people and they should write every name that they suggest down. And at the end of it, he should crumple that piece of paper up and put it in the bin. And then he should set fire to the bin, just to be sure, because it'll all be the same. And it'll be their mates... And it doesn't. They don't care or know anything about this club. So, forget all that stuff. Start fresh. Thanks, mate.
2: Um, (laughs) Anything you can possibly add to that, Stuart? And where where's your head been at uh, the last few days?
3: I didn't go through potential replacements. Um, Simple reason being, I can't think of any um i remember having a conversation a while ago uh, with friends and, and family members who were a bit worried as to our position in the league and i've done this a, a season or two whenever there's been a question about whether or not dash was the right manager for us and you know do we get shot and maybe try and change style of play and all the rest of it my my first and only question was always who do you get in and i don't think at any point over the last couple of years when there's been any sort of serious grumbles about him, anybody's come up with a decent manager who, who could replace him. The big thing that we had with Dash was that he put down fairly deep roots in the club. So everything was done how he wanted it. He, 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 I'm Convinced, I'm sure he'll, he'll say otherwise, but I'm convinced he styled himself after Clough, in that he wanted to be there and do a job and build a club up from essentially now. Um, and I think whenever he was going to leave, it was going to leave a big hole, and it weren't just on the bench; it was everything. It was at Barnfield, it's the lot. And various people have said this. I think Tony Livesey had a wander around Barnfield after it was built, and he said similar that, you know, he's absolutely everywhere. Jordan North said the same thing as well. Um, I think on this podcast, actually, that he, he it's everything's modeled around Daesh. So to me, you need somebody who's ultimately going to have a, a sort of as big a presence uh, to come in. But I couldn't name who that is. Um, in terms of the names that get bandied around, just had a check on my phone because I couldn't remember his name. Uh, manager called Tam Coates, who is the current Dundee United manager, I think was about 25 to one at the bookmakers. They have lost more games than they have won or drawn this season. But it's there for folk who've got a gambling addiction. Oh, 25 to one. Yeah, I'll stick a 10 or I'll make me money back this month. It, it's nonsense. You might as well just ignore it. Because Pace and Co, if they're with this all, have got an idea as to who they want to bring in. Yeah. And ultimately, until they announce it, it makes no real difference what the bookmakers put in. My only thing would be, please God, not Allardyce, because there's no chance I'd, I'd be able to go and watch as we are we in charge. Because if you think that the, the football fair's been dire up till now, it ain't getting better under Allardyce. um but yeah I, I think ultimately until the board met the decision and announced it there's not a lot there's not a lot you can do with speculation other than pull names out the an out and see if it sticks
4: and just mm-hmm. on the betting thing just one thing to always be aware of and this is you know you guys will know this and a lot of people will know this tam court okay 25 to one if i go down to William Hill tomorrow and stick a grand on him, then suddenly he'll be the favourite because yeah. that's how booking uh, betting yeah, works. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah.
4: So you know, it's it's based. You know, if you want to, if you want to swing a betting market, that's how you do it. It's it's you know, it's not based in reality. It's based on where money's going. So mm. you know, um, I'll I'll not believe who it is until I see them standing in the Bob Lord stand with the scarf above their head. On your on your point about Deitch, by the way, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's he's um, he's. It was a good word, entwined, I think, in the fabric of the club. I think you're absolutely right that he was modelling himself after Clough, and that's not a bad thing. No. Um, but in a, in a modern, progressive way that I don't think he ever got credit for. But um, my fear of whoever is, um, and I've used the phrase a fair bit, is um, I don't want to be the guy who follows the guy. And whoever follows Sean Dyche has got massive not only his presence in the club but also massive shoes to fill in terms of expectation in terms of everything um, and whoever it turns out to be my fervent hope is that the first time there's a bump in the road people aren't going well Dyche wouldn't have done that mm-hmm. you've got to let him do his own thing um, you've got to be uh, pragmatic and um, Because otherwise, if you're chasing a thing, uh, remember David Moyes had an amazing reputation uh, up until the point he was anointed Manchester United manager. Um, And that set his career by the best part of about six years. But David Moyes is not a bad manager. In fact, come to think of it, if he was available, and obviously he isn't, David Moyes would be a fantastic manager of Burnley.
2: Another one, zoom, I am on that. Um, no, obviously, doing very do. well everywhere that he's been, apart from when he succeeded um,
3: Arsene Wenger.
4: Yeah, and um, it was completely unfair. It was completely unfair the way that guy got treated. He was sacked because he wasn't Arsene Wenger.
3: I think that's a that's a good point. Uh, it's a bit of a poison chalice. This whatever happens, it, it, to me, it's kind of the same as when Laws was appointed. Um, Kyle was such a big figure at the club, and. Obviously, the manner of him leaving and the manner of Dash leaving the chalk and cheese, but it was a poison chalice because whoever came in after Coyle was going to have to fill the void that he'd left. Now, I, I think it, I've seen some people on Twitter saying, get Matt Duff in. No, no. Like, I love the man. Matt Duff is my hero, but it, it, he's, not a, he's not cut out for a Premier League management. He's been managing for, what, two years? Yeah. It's bonkers getting getting in a guy because he's a, a club legend or what have you. It, it's not going to work. They've got to have the the skill set to actually take us forward, either keep us in the league or get us promoted from the championship. Should the worst happen and we get relegated, really um, you've got to you've got to get the right man for the job, really, and ultimately. It, Whoever comes in, is gonna be. They are gonna get hit with a stick that is. Oh well, Dash would have done X, Y, and Z. He would have got a performance out of us. Would have won that one nil we who have done this and the other. But you, you can't, you can't live with that. You can't live off what an, an old manager would have done because it's what United fans are doing now, and it's what every Arsenal fan who wanted Arsene Wenger out the club are doing with every single Arsenal manager from now until the end of time.
4: No, I thoroughly, thoroughly agree. Um, you know, on the Duff thing, sorry to jump in Adam, but, uh, on it, but on the fun. Duff thing, you know, um, the the concept of of appointing somebody because they know the club, or well, Michael Duff knows the club. No, he doesn't. The Burnley that Michael Duff left five years ago is not the Burnley of today, you know? And and simply this idea of uh, appointing him because he knows the club is, is ridiculous. Um, the other thing as well is that that sort of inward thinking and I, again I've wrote about this recently burnley fc or sorry not burnley fc there is there is not just a manager of burnley fc there is a manager of burnley football club limited and that is a 100 million pound business you do not give that to someone because he has 400 appearances in your shirt you do not put that kind of thing in charge of someone like that so much as I agree that Duff is a club legend um, and it is far too early in his career I would love to see him here one day if he's proved it the idea that we should appoint from within the club or somebody who quotes knows the club is uh, absolute hiding to nothing Brian Laws, Burnley legend, knew the club and I'll be honest, it was his dream job He wanted Hmm. to be Burnley manager. That was the job he always wanted. And he got, you said about Poison Chalice, he got got appointed, not a Poison Chalice, but a bin bag on fire (laughs) of a club. (laughs) And I, I, I know he failed, and I know a large part of it is, no, a significant part of it was because of his own inability as a coach. But whoever picked up the club after Roman Coyle, I can't believe I even said his name, um, was being handed a, a burning dumpster um, and he was going to fail.
2: Yeah, I don't really, I don't want to mention his name, so uh, <laughs> we'll on, dwell on that part for too long. If um, I can his name quite... after
4: a decade has passed, I feel, you know, clearly <laughs> time is a healer. It's probably the first time I've said his name in about like you know, 10 years.
2: I just want to go back quite a few points, um, just to something you said, Stuart, Um, just around um, what Alan Pace, um, what do you make of the way that it's all been done? Um, Obviously nothing really on social media or coming out of the club uh, to say a great thank you or any sort of recognition of his time with us. Do you think that's? Um, a bad thing is it understandable do we not need a bit of a fanfare right now is the time at the end of the season um, and in the end do you think uh, this is a question for both of you when it comes to it do you think that Daesh's legacy will be better obviously it would strong regardless but better after this than if we'd have gone down with Daesh stuck with him struggled in the championship and then he'd left
3: I think the if you were going to have a big fanfare for him, they'd have done it by now. They announced that he was gone on what Friday was it? Um, yeah, they uh, m- my feeling is they would have done, there'd have been a video package that had gone out saying thank you. Read into that what you will because, in all honesty, I had a clue. Um, it could be that it's not how he wants to do stuff it could be a bit of like you know you rip the bandage off um, and get it over and done with so you just say thank you for all your time at the club and to be fair the statement does thank him for his time at the club and everything that he's done and all the rest of it but it also makes clear that results haven't gone our way and there's a short period of time left to keep us in the Premier League so I, I think that's that's your guiding principle layer um, in terms of his, his legacy, if you will, I, I think had we been relegated, and I'll borrow one of Mark's phrases, uh, solid football men would have said, oh, you know, they didn't, they didn't play expansive football. And, you know, if they'd, have, if they'd have had it on the ground and passed it around a bit more, you know, the tack teams, et cetera, et cetera, and all the, the same stuff that you hear every time that, um, you know, teams like Fulham, uh, who got trounced week in week out Blackpool did it when they got battered at end of season they were in Premier League all these teams who come up play free flowing football Norwich more than once come up play free flowing attacking football at Man City and get stuffed um, and do it at Liverpool and get stuffed and do it at Old Trafford and get stuffed and at end of season, they go, oh, well, they should have played it a bit tighter. And I think it would have been the reverse for us. I think it would have been, oh, you know, if they'd have, if they'd have used core name or if they'd have done X, Y, and Z. Because at the end of the day, they get paid to put an opinion out there, you know, as ill-informed as it can be at times. I think Daesh going now and the fact that all these people have come out and said, oh, it's a disgrace that he's been sacked. Um and I know that there's a lot of fans from clubs who like to term as football terrorists uh, have also been out saying he's been really hard done to. I think it's actually, in a weird way, getting sacked now has improved his stock because the focus for a lot of neutrals has been, oh, look at the job he's done with no money. The, the, the stuff that we've said for years and lauded him for and said, this is why he's a great manager and people like, no, he's a dinosaur. Um, now they've all cottoned onto it so it's the you don't know what you've got till it's gone um, except that's for neutral fans who don't care about Burnley and want us relegated
4: I'm going to start here lads. this is this is gives you an idea of how narrative about Burnley and other clubs and I'm not going to mention the club yet um, <laughs> is is focused and certain important things are very carefully ignored or not noticed by journalists you're talking about aggressive anti-football which we've been done with um Burnley have had 56 yellow cards this season 56 okay in second place is Newcastle with 72 which club has got would you believe this 91 yellow cards this season
3: Is it somebody who everyone's been fawning over?
4: Um, So they are 19 ahead of second place. Um, It's somebody who um, have had a reputation over the past couple of years for attractive, free-flowing, attacking, exciting football. And they are currently leading the yellow card chart by 19.
2: Like I said, the obvious one were are uh, Arsenal when you first said it. Well, that's just the red cards, isn't it? So I wouldn't, um, <laughs> that's just
4: granite, Shaka.
2: Brighton. No,
4: nope. I'll go with Leeds. It is Leeds. Leeds have had the yes, most yellows, is, yeah. the most fouls, and the most—not uh, the most reds, but the most yellows and most fouls in their two years, and yet we apparently we're middle of the road, middle of the pack. We are apparently the dinosaurs. Go say so. So people saying, you know, loads of people turning around, going, "Oh, why? Why can't Burnley won't be more like Leeds?" And I go, "What fouling everybody?" You know. So anyway, I'll be using that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good one for you to use. to my desk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look up the stats. It's um, fouls, fouls, and yellow cards.
2: Right. Um, I think we'll we'll end the um, the dice and, um, and manager chat. Um for now unless uh, you guys have anything else to add and even though you've been very reluctant um, to to give any sort of names or any sort of um, even, well, let's say optimism towards any names, if I had to ask you now who you want in charge of Burnley at the start of next season, no matter what league we're in, who would you pick out of the contenders or anyone out of just anyone in the world of football? Uh, start with you, Mike.
4: I don't have a name. I have a type. It's as simple as that. I'm going to mention two names, where I don't mean them. I mean them as a type. Daniel Farker and David Wagner. Young-ish, uh, you know, hungry managers, play good football, comparatively cheap, willing, ambitious, um, and intelligent, uh, adaptable. So I would love a type like Farker or Wagner. Um, both of whom did very good jobs um, at their respective clubs.
2: Very good. Stewart.
3: Um, Stuart? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Can you get Fergie back? <laughs> as long as uh, you don't mean Darren.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Lord, I think, I no. Think uh, I think watching um, watching some of our midfield would kill his heart for good.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, quite possibly. Um, yeah, uh, again... Uh, I think you're right. I think you've got an aim for a a type of manager. You need someone who's a big personality, who's going to fill the void uh, in the back room um, as much as anything else for me. Um, But I I couldn't give you a name. Most people will start talking, if you start talking big personalities, you start saying Mourinho, there's no chance he'd be able to do a job at Burnley. Never in a million years. Um, I've seen people saying Chris Wilder. I think I'd be happy with him if we were in the championship, maybe not so much if we were in the Premier League, um, given how poorly his second season went with Sheffield United. But it, trying to find somebody to to fill some rather large Northampton-made shoes is, uh, is going to be a tough ask, really. I
4: think Wilder's a good choice, but I was I just don't understand why he would leave Borough. It's, it's, you know, I see yeah. certain names. It's like Steve Cooper at Forest. Steve Cooper's done an excellent job at Forest. Why the heck would he leave?
2: Mm.
4: You know, and I you know, I don't wish to burst anyone's bubble, but um if the Premier League has taught us anything, don't get above your flipping station. Burnley FC are not, you know, one of the you know, the the biggest clubs in the land never will be. We've always fought above our weight. That's our thing. So the idea that we are more attractive to the than a, a Nottingham Forest or a borough or a Whatever is is you know we're we're not, and um, don't fool yourself into thinking we are. I I, I think WoW is great a great choice, but it's going to be a hell of a persuasive job if, if Alan Pace can get him here. Man, that can that, that, that guy can sell Snow to Eskimos.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I think my thoughts on I think it does need to be someone who can come in and put his stamp on things pretty quick. Obviously Wilder does fit that bill, he's got his very he has got his own um way of playing, way that he, he likes to um well, to run clubs as well as his team. So I think he is the sort of personality that we wouldn't but I, I really like your um your uh, picks of Farker or, or Wagner. Um as well, Mike. It's it's not um it's not, not people off the hall, but yeah, Farker especially got um well, they both got promotions to the Premier League, um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll wait and see, I suppose. Um, anyway, we'll uh, we'll move on to um, to Sunday's game. Um, I think i said before, I'm very piss- pessimistic. Pessimistic going into the game. Um, what did you make when the um, when the lineups came out? Um, and just two changes from from the Norwich defeat. Um, Neil and Cork coming in for uh, Lennon and Brown I'll start with you Stuart um, were you confident ahead of the game and what did you make of the um, the lineups when they came out
3: I, I wasn't very confident uh, before the game just because West Ham are, are having a really really good season um, I didn't think we'd get anything out of them when they came to the turf so um, I think it were much the same um, seeing Cork on the team sheet was Good. Uh, the fact that Westwood were next to him at the time, not so good. Because I've been very much on the on the path that Westy's not had his best season with us, and it probably would have been the time to to drop him. Now, obviously, with what happened, you haven't got much of a choice but to drop him now. Um, but yeah, the Norwich game didn't didn't inspire me at all, um, and I thought making a couple of tweaks to the team. With the playing staff that we've got, there's only so much you can do to try and change things up. And I, it was always going to be a tough game against a, a good West Ham team, especially when I saw that the likes of Rice, Antonio, Suchek were all playing. I thought ah, well, we could be in for a bit of a drubbing here.
2: Yeah, they didn't rest many players after you did they? Um, what no. what did you make of um, of Lennon dropping out of the side, Mike? After uh, he's grabbed quite a lot of plaudits for his performances recently,
4: I thought it was a little little harsh. But you know, at the end of the day, I am a big fan of Aaron Lennon. But to me, he doesn't represent the future, and why McNeil hopefully does. Um, I know that McNeil coming in. He's had well. He's had a terrible season. He, let's face it. He's been he's been absolute nails all season. But you know, like we were saying earlier about you know you've got eight games left. Maybe this is a reset. You know, at the end of the day, um, and I think Stuart's right. There's not a lot there to do with you know to to play with. So why not just why not? Um, I think it turned out okay. I was I was pessimistic myself. Um, but, you know, as it turned out You know, I was listening on Clara's Player um, It sounded like Phil Bird was at a funeral Or giving a speech at a funeral for, for 90 minutes um, Which I guess was understandable But they seemed to be okay They seemed to be very dogged They seemed to be, you know, very Burnley-ish uh, and, that, and that, I think, is a is a credit to the players that they actually got motivated to um, prove a point. Is a, I think a, not the right phrase, but to you know this is this is a a team that is motivated by being written off. So, for them to continue to to be motivated by being written off, great, fantastic. Um, I just think, as a summary of the game, the fact that yet again we've been shot shot ourselves in the foot is, you know, typical of the season. And uh, I think the idea that our our star striker who's been smashing them in for spectacular for fun misses the first penalty that we've had since the invention of the wheel. And he does it by sending the keeper the wrong way but sticking it the wrong side of the post. That's the point where you just turn around to the football gods and say, can you stop this please? Because it's beginning to get painful.
2: Yeah, so by watching the start of the game, I thought... I still thought we were in trouble. I um I thought West Ham started pretty brightly until um until the Westwood injury without without massively threatening, but uh, you just feel them maybe getting on top of us. And I think it's um it really shows the character within the side that after that and after the trauma of that, we reacted better than they did. Um Sure. I'll just come back to you. Your thoughts on the injury? Obviously, looks like a com- just complete accident, unfortunate event. And then the way that the players reacted to it, and the performance up to half time with the goal, um, and obviously the the penalty that that might mention there.
3: Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> it, it, like you say, it, it, looking looking back on replays, it is it's accidental. There's no no malice in it for me. Um, I was half expecting with. How upset, uh, was it Vlasic? I might be mispronouncing his name there. Um, with how upset he was, uh, it sort of reminded me of when um, Son injured uh, Gomez at Everton a few seasons back. And he, I've, I think he got a red card there more so somebody could take him down tunnel and look after him because he was in bits. Um, and I was half. Expecting referee to produce a card just to get him off pitch so somebody could sit him down and have a chat with him. Um, You know, Borden had had put a tweet out, Chris Borden had put a tweet out saying, you know, Lanzini were in tears and they were for Eddie Nans and and all the rest of it. And Obviously, as a professional footballer, you're not going to want to see anybody in that position, Um, certainly from Burnley's point of view, definitely not when it's one of your own team. Um, And I think the fact that we came out of that a bit brighter, a little bit less shell-shocked. Um, managed to force the corner and ultimately a goal. It, it's testament to a, a bit of the mentality that they actually like to talk about um, and and put us noses in front uh, and then ultimately penalty miss. <laughs> it's one of them, you can't make it up, can you? I think there were somebody had put up that it the last time that we'd got a penalty um, was on Easter Sunday against Southampton uh, last season. And you just think, right, well, come on, surely we've got to score this one. And then Cornet steps up and slams it wide at post. Um, just on that, though, uh, I would say there, there were a few shouts a day or so later saying, he Fabianski were definitely off his line there. And yeah, he were. But if we've not if if there were a video assistant referee or something like that that could have looked at it and, and wound it back, then perhaps we should invest in that in Premier League. But uh, I think it's uh, clutching at straws a bit there, really. Yeah, I think I think um, I think the only look at that if it's a save
2: similar to right. if um, if players are encroaching, they're only punished if they touch the ball after because Weghorst were like two yards in the box, weren't he as well when. When he finally took the kick after all the stuttering. Um, Mike, have you got any opinion on um on the whole J-Rod Um like mini not argument but um discussion before the penalty and Corney taking the ball?
4: Yeah. I've seen those um
2: those football spe- um experts saying that this well. wouldn't have happened under Daesh and they'd have known who were taking the penalty. And um yeah, any any thoughts on that?
4: Not really. I mean, footballers are, are, you know, professional footballers at the top level are egotists. And that's, you know, the, the confidence is part of the game. Confidence is gets them where they are. And it's, you know, if, if you'd have put it in, we, we wouldn't be having this discussion, you know. And I say that as someone who's, you know, the last penalty I ever took playing football, um, I missed. And it was one that was lost as the shootout. And I've never taken a penalty since. And I must add that that was when I was nine. Um, so, you know, it scars you. Um, yeah, in hindsight, you know, 2020, um, you know, I, 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 I it's, there's enough drama in the game before starting manufacturing it.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. And and after Corny had won, won the penalty himself, there isn't really a um, specialist at the club because we don't get them. Um, especially with Wood, um, wood leaving. Um, yeah, I don't I think that's. Um, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think
3: really Barnes on is the at the moment. Yeah. Barnes is taking a few. I think last penalty specialist we had was Graham Alexander. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He did all right,
4: didn't he? Yeah, I, think, I think Barnes <laughs> takes him. And, and Barnes, Barnes does have a good reputation, but <laughs> that's because <laughs> not only does the goalie not know where he's kicking it, neither does Barnes. <laughs> The only Premier you've heard of a striker having a 50p head is the only Premier League striker I've ever seen the 50p feet.
2: Um, just a couple of other individuals. Um, well, sorry, yeah, a couple of individuals from the first half. I want to pick out um, Tarkovsky with a a couple of like vital interceptions and blocks. He's had his fair share of criticism this season, probably not as much mm-hmm. recently, but um, thought obviously he were excellent again. And then Vegos seemed to have a renewed energy. Um, and maybe that's because Cork was in the team, and and well, and we were playing more into his feet noticeably in the in the first half. Um, obviously, I think we had another standout performance second half that we'll come on to. But um, what did you make of um, Tarkovsky and Vegos in particular in that um, in the first half and in the game, Mike?
4: I, you know, I, I Tarkian, uh has been an absolute rock, and he he was absolutely phenomenal again on Sunday. Um, I know he's had criticism, like you say, um, and I've I've always felt that was unfair, completely unfair. Anyway, and I think that uh, there's the phrase silencing the doubters, or there's basically telling him to absolutely zip it, and that's what he's done. And he was a, a, amazing again on on Sunday. Vaguest renewed. You could see the frustration um, and the frustration with the fact that he was being treated as, as Peter Crouch's you know famous thing. He, they wanted him to be a head on a stick, and that is not what he is. He's quite clear that is not what he is. And I think that's what some of the frustration was um, over the past few weeks, was that stop doing that, stop smacking the ball up to him. The fact that Kork is in midfield means, he, like you say, he gets the ball to his feet and he's much, much, much more impressive. Um, it would not surprise me over the next eight games. You know, if we continue putting the ball to his feet, that he's actually going to start scoring some goals. Um, And, uh, you know, and long may that happen because God knows we need it. But I think it's, I think the fact that we looked more of an attacking threat against a good team in West Ham, like you say, you know, this, that team is flying. You know, we, we should have been 2 0 up at half time, despite the fact we're in the relegation places. That, gives you hope and uh, you know if Tarky can you don't need a fully functioning 11 players at the top of their game to avoid relegation you need four uh, Pope is one we're probably going to talk about him in a second Tarkovsky is another if we get Weghorst and, co- and let's say it's going to have to be Cork who knows you know I know it's the hope that kills you but who knows
2: yeah I think um You have to go into that second half completely wiping the memory of of what's happened right at the end of that first half and obviously the Westwood um, injury. Um, And West Ham were always going to come out fighting and obviously took took control of the game in that second half. Um, What about Nick Pope's performance, Stuart, in that second half?
3: Superb. Absolutely superb. Um, Gordon Banks' save. Uh, from, I think it was Diop. Absolutely incredible. Um, it, 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 it's a proper performance. It's the, it's the kind of performance that he was churning out um, a season or two back <clears throat> when people were rightfully saying he should be England's number one above Pickford. Um, and it, it, it's two, two big, big saves that get us a point out of that match. People can talk about, oh, it was three points dropped because we should have scored the penalty and, you know, we'd have have seen the game out comfortably. You don't know what the half-time team talk would have been from Moyes going in at 2-0 down. Uh, I expect that they'd have come out all guns blazing and probably absolutely creamed us. Um, But pulling off two absolutely fantastic saves, um, not only does him a world of good with confidence, does us a world of good with confidence. I think it kind of makes the opposition team think we're not going to get past him today, and they only managed it the one time. We not the greatest free kick in the world. Um, I think Wegos knocks it back and it pings off Suchek's chest. Um, if he says he he absolutely meant to do that, I'll plat fog. But uh, yeah, I, I've, I thought Pope w- was back to his best with those two big saves. That's what we needed and it's what we need for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, you said, you already mentioned it earlier, um, Mike, about us shooting ourselves in the
2: foot. I'm guessing you're talking about in the build-up to, uh, to the free kick and the free kick itself or were you just talking about the defending for the free kick? Or
4: I think it's just in general. I think it just, yeah, the, the defending for the free kick wasn't good. The build-up to the free kick wasn't good. But that's the story of our season, really. You know, um, the, it just hasn't been, you know, to go back to the, the classic nice thing, the small margins, the little details, the little details of what's got away from us this year, the defending for the free kick, it got away from us, um, you know, and uh, Pope, yeah, he he pulled us out of the mire the a couple of times, amazingly. But, you know, sometimes... Seasons has gone by, do we end up in that situation anyway? I don't know.
2: Yeah, so I think a very uh, difficult question now um, and probably one that we don't know the answer to yet. Stuart, is a point yesterday a good result given that yeah. we could have been 2-0 up and um, given that we could have lost the game second half?
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, before the match if somebody said, you don't lose I'll, I'll snatch your arm off. I'd I'd take a point away against West Ham with the way they're playing this season all day long because what you've got to look at is the rest of the games going forward. A point keeps us within touching distance of Everton. No points, you start worrying. Three points and it's game on. But again, you can only control what you can control. And to me, I think we've got some games that we've got a fighting chance of getting three points out of coming up. I think for Everton, that's a much bigger ask, given who they've got to play. So a point at whatever West Ham Stadium's called nowadays, London Olympic Stadium or whatever. Um, yeah, a point there, with especially with how they've been playing this season. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take that. I think that's a good point. You Are uh, you in agreement, Mike? Good point. Move on to the home yeah. games or opportunity
2: missed? And um, you know, we're now looking at the Everton game against Leicester.
4: Uh, yeah, Stuart's right. Look, you know, a point beforehand, if you'd offered me a point beforehand, I'd a second handoff. And um, yeah, you can be disappointed it's not three, but that is the way it is. And that's football for you, you know? So a point keeps us in touch. Um, it, I'm not saying it puts the pressure on Everton but it reminds us that we're there it reminds them that we're we're, we're there um, and uh, we're like uh, a serial killer in a horror movie you can't quite ever kill us off yet so I think we can only do what we do we've been talking about the eight games being uh, see what happens and I still say that, you know, you see what happens. If we go, we go. And just look at Everton and want, not want, rely on them dropping points. We're not in that situation. So, you know, fair enough. I I expect them to. they got got horrendous running. But the other thing as well is, and I talk a lot about narrative and I talk a lot about look, um, bad things don't happen to people like Frank Lampard, no matter how much they deserve to. (laughs)
2: Oh, let's hope it changes the quite quickly <laughs> in that regard then. Uh looking ahead then, um are you confident going into uh Thursday's game uh against Southampton? Um stay with you, Mike. Um and how do you expect the crowd to be? Um for that game, fully behind behind the cause or a bit disgruntled at uh, the way that um Dyche has left the club. And do you think there'll be any sort of reaction to um to what Pace and ALK have done?
4: It's an interesting one, and it's unfortunate I'm not gonna be there because I can't make midweek games. But I reading around, there there is shock at Dyche leaving. But I'm not sure there's anger. And I don't think that Turf more on Thursday will be a place where the majority of the, the fans are angry. Um I think I think people are gonna still I, I don't know, it's not the what's it the five stages of, of whatever, but five stages of grief. But I think that it's gonna be a case of okay, this is where we are if the team come out and play the first say 15 minutes in a positive way and i, I and it doesn't have to be much it has to be for me if if i'm seeing a team out there for the first 15 minutes that looks organized that looks fairly confident that is passing the ball well between each other then i'm going to say okay this is good this is where we want to be um I'd be surprised if there's anything against the board. Uh, whether you think they deserve it or not, I, I don't think. I don't think now's the time, and I think the fan base kind of realise that. I think the time for recrimination or the the time for a post mortem is after the final whistle against Newcastle. Um, so I'm kind of. Quietly confident, uh, not yeah, quietly confident. was probably a good phrase. I think Southampton are beatable, just don't give a free kick away where Ward Prowse can put it. <laughs> but they're one of those teams where they don't have a massive amount to play for and they don't off chuck one in occasionally. Um, so you know, I, I think they are there for the taking. Um, if The team can play like they did on Sunday, certainly in the first half.
2: 9 0 on its way, then. I'll have that as your uh, your (laughs) prediction.
4: Well, why not? Why not? And and just to see, right? Just to see the faces of the Guardians football staff. We'll just go, oh, 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 you know, pick pick your hipster blogger analysis of choice. Just to see their face going. Burnley have got nine, nine goals. You know, their their laptops will have exploded.
2: Oh, let's let's pray for that. I think uh, more hope than expectation there. But anyway, uh, how are you feeling ahead of uh, ahead of Thursday, Stuart?
3: Um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be another tough game. Uh, Southampton for me, one of them teams. A Bit like Crystal Palace. You never really know who's going to show up. If they show up and they're in the mood for it, they can definitely beat us. Uh, If they show up and they're not particularly bothered, flip flops are on. We've got every chance at world of giving them a bit of an hiding. Um, Just had a quick look back there again on some of their recent results, and some of them aren't very pretty, but again, they'll pull out some decent results when they need to I I think normally I think had this been last season I'd have been marking us down for three points because I'd have been confident that we were playing well enough and and we'd be able to, to to turn them over but with how we've played this season not as confident um Without not, not
2: consistent. we've not, not had any consistency, have we? So it's so hard absolutely to not anything. I really have not invited yeah. Dave on the preview show whatsoever this season because, um, yeah, trying to have thrown you under the bus there. I, I have no idea this <laughs> is going to go, but yeah, um,
3: it, it, it could go either way, um, as with any football match, I suppose. But yeah, I, I think Mike's right. I think if we if we turn up for 15 20 minutes and we sure that we've We've got something about us. We're going to attack the game. We're going to try and take it to Southampton. Uh, the, the crowd will be up for it one way or another. Um, I've seen some folk online saying, oh, we'll do a march from Town Hall to Turf and let board know what we think. All right, fair enough then, but I'll guarantee Alan Pace won't cater. It, it'll be Bob stand having a...
2: Apple, whatever is that he drinks. Yeah, do you know what I mean?
3: Like, what it's, 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 a sacrifice, lads. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, uh, it's, like, it's, it's like Liverpool walking through,
4: those Liverpool fans who march from the boozer that they always meet up before the game <laughs> yeah. to Anfield in <laughs> protest at Hicks and Gillette. Yeah, oh, It's,
3: it's it, like it's the general march has
4: never died,
3: isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's never going to change what's already happened. And to me... It, Having a uh, trying to manufacture a division between club and fan base at this stage in the season with the season that we've had is bonkers. That you might as well get behind the lads because at the end of the day, dash we're going to leave at some stage. You weren't going to be here forever. Um, so you've got to you've got to get behind the team. And I think Mike's right. I think if we come out positive, we make a good start of it. We make a fist of it. Nick a goal, even. Let's be optimistic. And crowd will be right behind him and they'll be behind him for 90 odd minutes so try that <laughs> try that and see how we get on <laughs> uh, the worry yeah. is
4: that we do what we do what we've done all season you know i don't I don't wish to sound pessimistic but if we stop shooting ourselves in the foot mm. there are three points on the uh, for the taking yeah you know? and and that's the way I look at it but, Bitter experience this year has kind of shown that, you know we we keep finding a way to cock it up. Can we please not do that, lads?
2: That's the team talk we need. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that's that's a good way to um, to uh, finish the um, the summary of uh, of yesterday and uh, look ahead to Thursday. Uh, I've just got one more question um, for both of you before we finish. Um, come to you first, Mike. What oh. is your one? Favorite memory from Sean Dyche's reign in charge at Burnley.
4: I have to pick one, just one. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be I don't know it's gonna be a kind of an obvious one, but for an non-obvious reason. Aberdeen at home, not because of the result or anything like that, but that day, a packed turf more, the sun was shining the Aberdeen fans were an amazing voice. It was a fantastic game that had everything. Um, my favourite photo of the last few years, and I wish I could find it, I think it was on Twitter, is at the end of it, there was uh, uh, where the, the home fans and the away fans meet in a cricket field stand. There was a photograph of the two sides shaking hands. I met some Aberdeen fans that day. Before the game, I met some friends who had seen a few years, having a few pints. And that as an occasion um Was something I dreamt. I never dreamed I'd see. I started watching this this team in the in the fourth division, and I never ever dream- dreamt I'd see it. And and that occasion um was the perfect occasion. And it, as uh, you know, football. I don't know this is going to sound weird. um Football is not necessarily about results. It's not about who scores the most or or whatever. It's about an atmosphere and a, and a celebration and a community um, coming together and enjoying an occasion, and that was one of the most amazing things. that That entire sort of three hours as a Burnley fan was a thing that I'll never ever forget. It'll it'll stick with me. I was at York in nineteen ninety two. Um, I was at Wembley in ninety four. Um, I, I remember those like they were yesterday. I remember Aberdeen like it was yesterday because um, i have never felt so proud to be a Burnley fan as I did that day. And uh, I've got Sean Deitch to thank for that. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Simple as that. One word, thank you. It's a
2: excellent summary um, of... Many years as a as a Burnley fan, um, Stuart. What is your favourite memory of uh, Sean Dyche's period in charge at Burnley?
3: Um, for me, I would have to say uh, finally getting a, a win over that lockdown rod. Um, I like Mike. Start watching Burnley when we were in the old fourth, and I grew up with stories off my dad uh, about when we used to play him on the regular back in the the 70s uh and the early 80s and uh, what that meant I were there for is getting absolutely spanked 5-0 at Ewood Park and uh, playing him premier league and never quite managing to get it over the line and it never seemed like we were going to do it and then dash rolled in and all of a sudden losses started getting converted into draws and you started feeling like we're turning a corner here, we might actually get the win. Uh, and then to be there at Ewood Park and come down from uh, come back sorry, from 1-0 down um, in what was an incredible season anyway. Um, but to do that and just see uh, absolute joy uh, on my dad's face uh, when he clambered up on his seat at full time to, in his words, absolutely give it him. Um, was fantastic. Uh, so thank you very much, Sean Dash, for giving me the opportunity to watch my dad go absolutely mental. Uh, he will park, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> is, sorry, well,
4: there is a uh, it was originally on Instagram, but someone downloaded it and it disappeared, but ended up on YouTube. And I have a playlist about that game, um, and there is a, a short video of about 20 seconds taken from the Blackburn end of the moment that Ing scores the winner. Mm. And uh, you have it, it's by accident, it frames that away end uh, perfectly. And you just see, f- however many thousand, just go mad. Yeah. And it's one of the great sights. You don't see it that often because all see the stadiums and stuff. But that view of those clarets going absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful,
3: beautiful side. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, so I think that's a perfect way to um, to finish off a jam-packed episode. Um, it's also my my favourite memory of uh, of Daisha's reign, ending 34 years of hate uh, of hate and hurt down the road. Um, but all that's left for me to say is thanks to Mike and Stuart for joining me tonight. Um, A big thank you, as always, to George Gaskell for providing the music and for producer Matt um, for knitting all this together. Um, I don't think we've caused too much chaos in Natalie's absence, Um, so uh, be grateful for that. And uh, finally, to uh, you, the listener, for putting up with my monotone voice. And don't worry, Natalie will be back very soon um, to take the reins again going forward. Uh, This has been the No Name Ever podcast. Back the boys, up the clarets.